Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office supplies at huge savings? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer at Rogers Place. Uh, Group C just wrapping up the things here. We will uh, tell you that uh, tomorrow is an open practice at Rogers Place. It starts at 10 o'clock. That's part of the reason why we have Hall of Famer Glenn Anderson joining us high above our broadcast location. Just for the record, we do the show here during the day. The actual broadcast drop is at that level uh, below. And Jack Michaels tells me I have the best eyesight in the entire league because in New Jersey we're even further back, and I'm the only guy that can read the signage all the way around the rank of all the broadcasters <laughs> in the league. We're up here, aren't we? Oh, Bob, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah we can see everything, though. It's a great setup, and uh, Rogers Place is uh, incredible to watch a game from. Looks pretty easy when you're up here. Oh, well, how could he not see the play develop? But it's a little bit different. Like, if you actually sit down and roll one and two and realize, holy crap, are those guys fast. Uh, but uh, you, had, you had a little bit of speed back when you played as well. Uh, hey, it has been uh, one of the things that's happened. I don't know if people know this, but uh, Barry Stafford has headed up the alumni, and you guys had a really extensive summer this year. I know I, I caught up with you guys uh, as part of the group that was in the Battle of Alberta down uh, for the Children's Advocacy Center in Red Deer. Those guys did a fantastic job with that event. I know you had your cross-cancer event. Um, you're in town here uh, for uh, the event this weekend. It's been a busy summer for you, hasn't it? Uh, very, uh, very busy and uh, very uh, beautiful coming back to Alberta and BC and seeing what's uh, what's going on. I was excited to see the snow. Yeah, uh, uh, you're the only one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, I mean, it, it's always good to come back and uh, wearing uh, the Oilers uh, colors and being pro- proud to be a uh, part of the Oilers uh, uh, alumni and doing such a great job with Barry Stafford and Kevin Lowe and the gang. Yeah, uh, I had to chuckle at the Battle of Alberta event. Uh, Glenn Anderson joining us here at Rogers Place. Uh, uh, there was a point with Mike Commodore and Ethan Moreau. And I, like Commodore won the cup in Carolina, and that was, I mean, he, he, I remember, it, and Ethan kind of gave it back to him a bit and said, you know, we had the better team. We just lost their number one goalie and lost in seven of you guys. And there was a little bit of nervousness, right? Because I sense with you guys, there's there's no debate. Everybody knew the order as good as Calgary was, and they were a real good team. They were maybe the second or third best team in the league some of those years. They didn't have, you know, Gretzky, Messier, Curry, Anderson, Coffee and Fuhrer, you know, Glenn Sather, and not to mention all the other great support players that you guys had. I mean, uh, those, guys, those guys have, with Calgary, they have, I know you respected those guys playing against them and how good they were, but there's no BS of acknowledging who had the better team there. Well, our talent-wise, no doubt about it. But uh, Lanny McDonald, I think, says it best when he goes, uh, oh, yeah, when people talk about the uh, Battle of Alberta and you're talking about Edmonton and playing in Calgary and that, and, oh, that, that's just another game of the season. And he goes, we knew exactly what day we were playing Edmonton. We circled it in the calendar, right. and we were preparing weeks in advance when we were going to play against Edmonton. And our goal at that year was to beat Edmonton. And so uh, basically – 
you, in our division, the way it was lined up, you're playing against the same team. You play them in an exhibition game before the season starts. You play them eight times during the regular season. And then there's a possibility you're playing them seven more times in the playoffs. So you get to see the same team and the players a lot of time. Uh, I mean, you know, you were a college guy, so maybe you had a little bit different. At what point did you stop harboring ill resentment towards Because, you know, you played with it, and I loved it, man. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, growing up as a kid playing for the Southside Athletic Club, when guys hooked me from behind on the rare occasions that I had my fat ass out ahead of everybody else on a break, <laughs> I was not afraid to slash somebody back or chop somebody back and pretend to be off balance. But at what stage does that go away in terms of that rivalry? Was it, you know, if you guys had played softball, as an example, in the off season. Would they have had to have the officials there in case there might have been a little bit of rough stuff? Or oh my God, yeah, it's we still have it today. We just did a game last week up in Slave Lake, and uh, uh, we had the crew up there. Our team was pretty solid, and but uh, your team was older, right? Oh God, yeah, we're to, we're coming, we're hitting, you know, that magic number of six zero, and that's that's not uh, that's not easy <laughs> to keep keep playing at. And you know, Calgary brought up some ringers, and uh, and the competition was there, so th- it was funny. You you know, the first period's kind of easy. You're going back and forth and not nothing really serious. And then all of a sudden, the game goes 3-3. Then it's 4-3. Then it's 4-4. Then it's like 5-4. Uh, now you got like a couple minutes left in the game, and now the guys are going hard. So is the rivalry still there? Absolutely. So I don't think it ever goes away, and it's always exciting to play against the Calgary Flames. Glenn Anderson and Grant Fuhr in town. They're going to be a part of the fan event tomorrow. Uh, I know that they'll be there. You guys will be signing autographs. Uh, and then I think we're going to be doing something, either Jack or myself, or in around 1230 uh, in Ford Hall as well. Uh, and one thing I love about you guys is you just let her fly. Because, like, the guys that are currently playing, they don't want to say something that might get out there and piss somebody off. But you guys, you let her rip, don't you, when it comes to the telling the stories? Oh, yeah, they. Uh, we've got nothing to hold back. I, I mean, social media. I don't think. Uh, How much trouble would you guys have gotten in back in your day if you guys had that stuff? Uh, we would have been suspended for sure. Uh, <laughs> the NHL would have not liked our team because not only uh, did they have to change the rules because we were so good on the ice, but we enjoyed the community, especially Edmonton. Edmonton was part of our life, and we, as far as the Oilers were, so was the community. So it was Edmonton and the community and. The city of champions and the surrounding area so uh, we all became one and we we were out with the crowd on a regular basis they uh we intertwined i'm hearing stories on a regular basis uh oh i remember you when i was four years old and i got a picture taken with you and and so we were part of the community right. and the charities on a regular basis and that's you know and the owners have continued to work in that regard with some of your younger players but I think you could you could have gotten away with a little bit more back when you played than these guys today, right? Like you go to an established been back, you go to Davids as an example, or wherever you guys went. Uh, I'll tell you exactly where there is a bar called Denny Andrews American Bar. There was the Goose Looney. I there went was to the Davids. There is Barry T's. Right? So yeah, so you got. I mean, the U of A, the hub. The you know, <laughs> you had the little spot around the corner like everyone has. I mean, the Gaslight. The, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And I get reminded. We were just doing the, um, we were in the cross cancer yesterday, and they're going, oh, we served you guys beer. And I go, what was the name of the establishment? Oh, Club Malibu. I used to oh, wear, oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, the, <laughs> I mean, so the establishments back then, I'm sure uh, the people have changed and the names have changed, but the memories are still there because we were part of it. Yeah, Glenn Anderson joining us right now. Uh, hey, it's the opening day of training camp. So 
obviously it's different when you come here. You know, you played on the 1980 Olympic team. Roll in in 80-81. You know, a little bit different rolling in in 80-81 than rolling in in 83-84 as you're established as a you know an NHL uh, top six forward. How, maybe explain to our listeners the contrast of being like looking to, hey, I, I'm here to seize the day and go grab it, as opposed to, wait a sec now, I just scored 40 goals last year. Yeah, you know what? We never really thought that way. That um, I was always trying to earn a position and always trying to get better. And some of the, 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 the one of the best training camps that I went to was about six years in, and uh, someone was, uh, I think it was May. Um, Al May. Al. We May. have him on the show, but once every two weeks. Yeah. Okay. And Kevin McClellan. And Kevin McClellan. So what? He was chirping. Kevin in the papers, and uh, Kevin goes, "Watch this," and I'm going, "Okay, I, you know, camp hasn't even started yet," and so I'm going, "Oh, is he going to do something like in the dressing room or bug him or whatever, whatever was on?" And um, it hadn't even started. The coaches weren't even on the ice, and I was about to put my first step onto the ice, and I looked down into the corner of the rink already. They were both out there, and they're going toe-to-toe. There's a, a fight. So In the about, stretch. In the stretch. Not even the stretch. We just, we just, I'm just about to put um, my skates onto the ice for the first time for training camp that year, and they're in the corner. They stepped on a couple of seconds before me, and they're down in the corner with their gloves off going toe-to-toe with hardly anybody else out on the ice. That's hockey. That's old, that, time. That's that's old a, school. That's old school. That's how <laughs> yeah. it was uh, back in the day. I, I mean, Glenn, you played with a cavalcade of the collection of greatest stars ever. I mean, Wayne, unbelievable person on and off the ice. Mark, dynamic personality. I don't know if people thought. I know I didn't think he'd get to where he got to early in his career. Like, talk about getting better. Um, but do you have admiration for as good of the players were that you played with? Just these guys today, and and because they're incredible athletes today. Well, uh, told the story last night. We're doing a Boston Pizza event and uh, raising mon- money for charity at uh, yesterday at, out at the golf course that got snowed out. But uh, one of the questions that was asked was about, Lick, you were one of the faster players, and I got clocked from a standstill start on the goal line. The ice surface is 200 feet long, and I got clocked at 6.5 seconds. Now. Today's players, there's no question in my mind that they're all around six and below. And I don't know what Connor is, but um, they're in around there. And so if I was the fastest at 6.5 back in 80, 81, uh, these guys are much faster, more talented. And so if you're going at that speed, um, one of our our, uh, coaches says, if you put your head down for one second, you're putting the other guy offside. So if you look down at the puck and try to raise your head back up and you're trying to hit the guy uh, moving with the puck, you've put the puck behind him, but you're also putting him offside. So uh, that's how fast the game is and how fast you have to think it because it's a lot quicker game, a lot more talented game, and your head has to be that much faster. We're joined by Glenn Anderson, who's in town along with Grant Freer. We'll get to Furzy in a second part of Barry Stafford's group with the alumni that does lots of events around the city. Uh, did you know? I know you're an Oiler fan, and you got to be a Connor fan because he's spectacular. He's gifted, great kid too. But just a, a thought: when you do, you kind of sit there and go, "Did he just do that? Like, did you catch yourself over the last three seasons?" And and what does it say about a guy when he's already been voted two years in a row the Ted Lindsay Award winner? The players vote him the best player in the league at that age because usually it takes some years to get respected by your peers. 
Yeah, I mean, it, the best part about uh, the game today is that you would think that everybody is about the same speed. Even back in the 70s and 80s, there wasn't really uh, a difference in speed as far as getting from one blue line to the next blue line. And uh, Connor is one of those players that is so spectacular. His first two or three strides, you go... Oh my God! That he just pulled away from a guy that was actually moving, and he's got that much power and strength in his legs to even pull away more and be that much faster than anybody in the NHL. And that's what makes uh, the game so much fun. And make it, and uh, as an Oiler fan and being able to watch a player that good and be that talented is just great for the league. Uh, I'm going to throw a curveball at you here. You know, a lot of people talk, well, you played a lot with Mark Messier. We have Craig Simpson every Wednesday on the show. You guys were brilliant together, especially in the 1990 playoffs. Uh, but I think the greatest line in Oilers history, the most productive line, when the trio, we've discussed this before, yeah. when they put you and Yari Curry together with Wayne, yeah. you guys, it was like you were unstoppable. Right. Why was that the case? Because sometimes it happened because Mark got, I know in 85, 86, he, got, he had an ankle injury, but sometimes Slats just threw you guys together. Well, it, I mean, good on Slats to do that, but uh, what I... You know, you figure out why players are so much better than some of the other players that you play with. The chemistry has to be there. The, uh, the what, what I've learned after the game was a good player is a heady player before he's talented in that. He knows where to go. So Gretz was always three plays ahead of everybody else. Yari was two, and I was probably maybe one. <laughs> at that point. But so we were always thinking, okay, we know where he's going to go. Right. And, okay, so we'll put the puck into that area or the, the play's going to switch this way. So when we got together and played together, especially offensively, other teams had a t- hard time stopping us because we were always thinking ahead of the game. Yeah, you could stretch the, the ice because your speed and then Wayne could find the holes and Yari would get to the holes and fight to the holes and then he could one time at home. I mean, some of the highest scoring games in Oilers you and I watch this stuff all the time on YouTube, and it's it's always the three of you guys to, as much. And I'm was the biggest Mark Vessier fan growing up, but the three of you guys together was scary, scary stuff. Grant Fear, uh, we had Wayne on the show on Wednesday or Monday. He was kind enough to join us, and he, you know he said you know he would have been have the greatest numbers of all time, except he played on the highest scoring team ever, and it was a different era. Uh, can you speak to his character and his personality and why it was a perfect fit with your group? Uh, I think it it blended with everybody else though too. So our team, our our team was a uh, had one common denominator, and that was to win at all costs, at any cost. And so what made our team so great is we didn't really care about who stopped the puck or who scored the goal or who got the assist. Our team was more worried about the two points at the end of the day, and Fierzy fed it fit into that bill by his. Uh, mindset was all I need to do is make sure I make that last stop at the end. Even if the score is 12-11, I'm going to stop that shot that's going to make it the winning shot save. And he did it on a regular basis no matter. In in the playoffs, I mean there was a couple high scoring playoff games on top of it. And we were never out of it. Our mindset was even if we're down five, six, even seven goals, we knew we had the capability of coming back and winning a hockey game uh, because of Fierzy was going to make that extra save. I remember you guys were down 6-2 in Vancouver. You love going out to Vancouver. Uh, your father, God rest his soul. And, yeah. and you know, um, 
you guys roared back, and I think you won like eight to six. And <laughs> I, I don't know if that was a game in Vancouver where you scored backwards. You were you 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 weren't facing that. You were going the other direction. You backhanded one home as you're being pushed <laughs> off in front. But there were some pretty memorable moments over the years. Uh, well, I hope you have fun again. We we should mention to people it's tomorrow's practice and it's a, a scrimmage uh, tomorrow between Group A and Group B. Uh, so open all, at ten o'clock right open, here at Rogers. Open yeah. at ten o'clock. You and our Grant, who's got, making Coco, it's a tremendous story. Right, and yeah. you was it your quote where you said, uh, just just on Grant Fury, you said nobody's like, you didn't even think of Grant as being an African black at that time was the term. Oh that we, God, no, he was he was just one of the guys. He was one of the guys. I mean, I think, I, and I even to this day, I think Fury and I get along the best of all the other players. It's like we've had we've had that common bond. Um, from day one, and it, he he was one of those players, but nothing really got on his case, and he he knew what he had to do to be successful and, and win a, a championship and a hockey game and a playoff game especially. You know what, Glenn? It's my theory that the personality of your team and the selflessness of that group at that time, and you guys were, yeah, you were great, great players, and you knew you were going to win again, but I think that helped a guy like Steve Smith, you know, because if it was a different collection of players, maybe in a different sport, yeah, Sometimes guys like that don't get over something like that. And instead, and to Smitty's credit, he became an all-star caliber defenseman and helped you guys win those cups in 87, 88, and 90. But Oh, my God. Well, okay, so for that example is, like, what do you think a player like that is going to do for the rest of his life uh, for you as a teammate? He's going to give it everything he's got to redeem himself for something that accidentally happened. And you can't just blame one one guy on one play. You guys lost four it, games in that series. It, it, exactly. And we had opportunities later on in that game to score goals yeah. to tie the game up. And we, as, you know, Vernon was, like, unconscious. So it, it was just the way the ball was uh, rolling, and uh, we were getting unlucky on breaks. So usually, pucks that would go in did not go in. Hit goalposts, hit crossbars, rolled over the net, and uh, Vernon made the save when he did. And uh, we were just unfortunate. We had, I believe, 12 minutes to score a goal, and we didn't have, uh, and we couldn't put the 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 biscuit in the basket, as they say at the end. And then you won the next year against Philly, and you got the clincher in that 3-1 game on the, the shot from out. So you didn't score a lot from out there, but you did in that game on Hextall. Yeah, well, Hextall won the Conn Smythe that year. Yeah. so He was pretty good. Yeah, he was outstanding. Slats wanted you guys to lose Game 6 in Philly, didn't you? He wanted that gate for Game 7. Well, I think that's a Peter Pockington story, isn't it? <laughs> we've, we've already talked about him a bit on today's show. Uh, hey, enjoy tomorrow with the fans. I know you and and Grant are doing uh, the interview or doing the uh, autograph thing where either Jack and myself will be part of something a little bit later on. Thank you to Barry Stafford for popping by. It's great stuff. And I, the great thing is that it's not just the great Oilers of the 80s alumni, but Barry's integrating all the guys in the 90s. There were some good competitive teams that Kevin built and, and Slats built in the late 90s and early 2000s. So it's great that uh, you know we continue to incorporate all of the alumni in these events. I think it's important. I think our, our, the staple is to uh, come back as alumni and be part of the community and part of Edmonton. Great stuff. That's Glenn Anderson. We're going to take a timeout. This is Oilers Now. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Shed. Oscar Clefbaum paired with Adam Larson opening day of uh, training camp on the ice today. We're going to go to List Day in Oilers History, brought to you by New West Travel, Edmonton's premier travel company, who remind you that by booking with the travel agency, you will provide a peace of mind wherever and whenever you travel. All right, on this day, 2011, the Oilers' young stars fall 4-3 to the Calgary Flames. 
Tobias Reeder had an assist in that contest. Wow. <laughs> we looked up Young Stars games. <laughs> nice work, fellas. Special uh, thanks uh, to Brad Whisker, along with Brendan Escott and Angie Quinnell for assisting on today's show live from Rogers Place. Reed Wilkins will have more from Oilers training camp tonight on Inside Sports. Up next, uh, 6.30 Chet and Global News Weather Traffic Update with Eileen Bell. Then it's the 6.30 Chet Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. We'll be rejoining you on Monday. Doubleheader day for me. We'll have Oilers now and our first Oilers preseason tilt in Calgary. So long, everybody. Have a great weekend. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.